What's up, my Housewives Relatable listeners? It's your girl, Stella, coming to you once again to talk about it all. Hi, guys. Hi, my Relatable listeners. I hope everyone is doing good. For my part, it was my birthday this week, so it's still my birthday. It's my birthday week, and uh, as a... as a proud Kinsarian, I have to shout out, you know, we like to shout out our signs. So I have to say happy birthday to all of my crabs out there, all of my fellow Cancers. Happy birthday because, you know, this this the season is almost over as of this weekend. So um, a lot of things have been happening in the Bravo verse again. So we're just going to jump right into it. And obviously, I'm going to talk about what everyone has been talking about for the past week. Because as you know, the ghost from Christmas past, Jill Zarin, is back. (laughs) She was back on Bethany Frankel's podcast um, last week. And I have to say that I was very shocked. I was very shocked to see them, you know, do a podcast together. And it was like sort of an intimate setting, if I understand correctly. Jill met with Bethany at Bethany's place. So it was actually at her house. And um, I have a lot of feelings about that podcast. And I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Um, New York like the original New York with Jill Zarin, Bethany, Luann, Ramona. It used to be one of my favorite franchises back then. I thought that the ladies were hysterical. And Bethany, season one, was my favorite. Um, I find that she was the most relatable. You know, she was not as rich as the other housewives. She was kind of just like, you know, up and coming and sort of sweet. And, you know, she still had a little bit of that sharp tongue, but she was funny and hysterical. And she was like struggling, right, in New York. Like New York is just like, you know, you have all of the ladies that were kind of like socialites. And then Bethany was some sort of like trying to get in that circle as well. But you could tell that. She was one of the most relatable ones on the show. And um, I really liked Bethany when she was season one, season two on the show. And to be quite honest, guys, um, I like Jill Zarin too. I did. like. I know she's a little bit controversial at times because of what she did to Andy at some point in time. She went on Andy's show and recorded him. And Andy didn't have any knowledge of that. And then she later on released that tape and she was just like, oh, this is not how it happened. And she provided her version of things. And I think Andy uh, Andy Cowan has been quite upset with Jill since then. And to be quite honest, guys, I don't think that Andy is over it, but we're going to get into that a little bit later. So I'm a big Jill Zarin fan, no matter how people feel about her. Uh, To me, Jill, she just represents New York. Like she is just this woman that, I, I don't know, I think she's just very New York. You know, she reminds me of a big sister that you have, right? And she's very motherly and friendly and she gives people good advices. You know, sometimes she tends to smother people a little bit, but... I'm not mad at Jill Zarin. And uh, 
to, to be honest, guys, <laughs> I was always a fan of the way Jill Zarin introduced herself back in the earlier seasons. I don't know if she still does it that way, but every time she would meet someone, she would say, hi, I'm Jill Zarin. And I don't know why that stuck with me until this day because of that show. When I introduce myself, I always say my first and my last name thanks to Miss Jill Zarin. So, <laughs> so yes. Now. On the podcast, I don't know about you guys, but I know I heard, I've heard of, um, I heard Up and Adam say that the podcast, like the conversation between Jill and Bethany uh, sort of gave him anxiety. And I've heard a few people say that as well. And I couldn't agree more. To be honest with you, I was listening to it and... You know, there's a lot of things that Jill said to Bethany that Bethany did not seem to know at the time. And she, she was like, oh my gosh, like, really? This is like disgusting. This is gross. You know how Bethany talks, right? But to be honest with you guys, like, it's not even just about like anxiety. I found that it was really difficult for Jill to explain without being interrupted how things had transpired in the past or her version of events. Like I find that, you know, this this spunk and this spark and, you know, all of the reasons why I, I'm speaking for my part anyways, you know, because I realize that a lot of people here are huge Bethany fans and I don't want to take that away from them. And, you know, I still like Bethany to a certain extent, but I, a certain extent, but over the years, I just find that sometimes she gets to kind of like, you know, she, she's, she's into herself a little bit when she speaks. Right. And it's like, Bethany, relax, let people talk let people speak it's like i can't i cannot have a conversation with someone like that it's just too manic it's like bethany you don't have to be right all the time bethany you don't have to be the one speaking all the time bethany you don't have to be the person who leads the conversation all the time it's like you know i find that she used to be a better listener and over the years i don't know i don't know if it's because of what she's been through um with that divorce and you know the friendships on the show and all of that stuff but man like bethany like sometimes i would just be like listening to this and I, and guys it's like an hour long so if you haven't listened to the actual conversation I did. It's just over an hour long. It's unedited. It's uncut. It's raw. It's real and all of that stuff. But man, sometimes I felt like, oh my gosh, like, are we somewhere in the minefields, right? Because Bethany just can't stop talking and interrupting. Like it was so bad on her part that at some point in time, I felt like we need Louie. Okay, we need Louis Ruhelas. <laughs> we need Louis to make. <laughs> I'm just joking, guys. We, but I did feel like we need somebody like Louis to, <laughs> to come in between and say, Bethany, you gotta let her talk. You know, you're not listening. <laughs> it was that bad. It was that bad. I'm telling you. You know, and I felt like Jill was way more composed, and she was trying to get her. Her point across and you know what by all means jail she's no punk either right she, a, a few times she said to bethany during that podcast at least that's how i received it uh jill said 
are we gonna talk about this? And it was kind of just like her way, her classy way of being like, can you let me talk please, right? And I wish there was more of that on Jill's part because seriously, it was quite annoying. And I'm just saying, Bethany, you ain't no Joe Rogan, okay? You have a podcast and you have opinions and you know, people listen to you and you know, if that's what they wanna do, that's fine. And you know, I'm not saying that there's no value in what Bethany is saying. I'm just saying that at the end of the day, Bethany, it's just an opinion that you have. And be a gracious host, you know? Like, if you are inviting Jill after all of these years to come and talk, uh, on your podcast, the best that you can do, the least that you can do is just let the woman talk. You know, she's been talk she's been trying to talk to you for all of these years and it's never worked. So now that she has the chance, just let her talk. You know, there was a lot of like, yeah, but that's not important. That's not important. We're not talking about that. Yeah, I don't care. I don't care about that. Let's not, talk you know what I mean? Like it's very difficult because not everybody communicates the same. Not everyone communicates the same. You know, sometimes you can talk to somebody, like for example, like Dorit. You know, a lot of people say, oh my God, she is so long-winded. She is so long-winded. But at the same time, that's her way of communicating, right? So it's like you may um, find that, okay, she provides a lot of details and not everything that she's saying is important. Or uh, like Erica likes to say, you say a lot of boring shit. I say a lot of <laughs> important shit, right? So I'm just saying, we all have our ways to communicate. And um, I just find that Bethany, although it was a great interview, guys, uh, I'm not going to take that away from the ladies. I just think that Bethany could work a little bit more on her um, listening skills, especially if she wants to be in that space. Not that Bethany needs my advices, you know, obviously, like she's had her podcast for so many years and for a long time. She doesn't need to listen to me. I'm just giving you my uh, opinion when it comes to this, just let people talk, you know, just, it doesn't have to be so, it feels aggressive. And I think that that's the reason why, um, in, in prior seasons, when you had Bethany and Kelly Killor and Ben Simone, I think that that's the reason why they never vibed, right? Because, and, and I can't remember who made that analogy a long time ago. And, and, you know, it's not to say that Kelly was like perfect, right? Because obviously there were problems, there were problems there with her as well, at least in the edits. But, um, somebody said at some point, like, why do you feel like you need to take an AK 47 to kill a fly? Right. And I think that in Bethany's case, that resonated with me so much like a long time ago, because I was just like, Bethany doesn't know how to adapt her way of speaking, depending on who she's talking to. She's always intense. She's always like talking to you like rapid fire. You know what I mean? And it's like, for some people, that might be too much, right? And at the end of the day, I don't think that Bethany is like, you know, I've seen her in the past, right? I've seen her try to do that with certain people. There's, some, there's certain people that are not intimidated by Beth Bethany, believe it or not. Maybe on her pot, uh, on her podcast, some people might be, or maybe when she was on the show, some people might be, but there's other people out there that are not intimidated by Be Bethany and they have no problem letting her know you need to relax when you're talking, but I don't, <laughs> I don't know if you guys saw, there was like an interview a long time ago. Like, I think I'll try to pull it up for you guys, but I'm doing like a whole sidebar, but you know, when Bethany used to have her show, Bethany, her talk show. At some point in time, she invited Omarosa, and you know, I'm not 
I'm not trying to talk about Omarosa here. Like, you know, Omarosa, she's very controversial based on, uh, you know, Celebrity Apprentice and all of this stuff that she's done in the past. But what I'm going to say is when you invite someone to come on your show, again, you have to be a little bit more gracious and you have to be open. And I think she she thought that she could just come for Omarosa and that Omarosa would back down. And that just didn't happen. And, um, you know, Bethany got owned on her own talk show by Omarosa. It was not a pretty scene. And to be, to be honest with you, I laughed a little, right? Because... Um, and I find that Bethany kind of did this on her own podcast with Joe. A few times she said, no, no, this is what happened. Like, this is what happened. I know this is like, you know, sometimes she's like very firm and positive and, you know, she's like, this is what it is. Right. And, uh. It's like the end all be all when she speaks sometimes. And then Jill was like, no, this is actually not how it happened. This is not when you like, this is not when and where you signed your contract or negotiated it. I heard you say like through the grapevines that this is how it did, but you were actually with me and you were on the phone and we were doing this and that and the other. And then Bethany was just like, you know, super adamant. And she's like, no, this is not. And then she's like, no, let me remind you this, Bethany, because I have no memory, which is something that Jill Zarin has always said, by the way, uh, on New York Housewives. But she says this, I remember, I remember, and this is how it took place. And then Bethany's like, oh my gosh, yes, you're right. Yes, you're right. Like, this is how it took place. Bethany did the same thing with Omarosa on her show. She was arguing with her and she was just like, I never said this. I never said this. And if you could prove it, so, you know, they went back and forth for about like a minute. And then Bethany said to her, if you could prove that I did say that, and I know that I didn't, I will pay you $10,000 right now. If you could prove that I did say that. And then Amorosa was like, oh my God, she was so happy. And she's like, this is like the quickest, fastest, easiest $10,000 that I'm about to make right now in a few minutes because I'm about to prove you that you did say that, Bethany. And then they pulled up the audio and then Bethany's like, oh my gosh, I did say that. And they're like, yeah, and now you owe me $10,000. So I'm just saying like, you know, for the people out there that like to say Bethany's always right, like she is not always right. And this is not to say anything bad about Bethany. She's not always right. You know, she likes to talk as if she's right all the time. But just because she believes that she's right, it doesn't make her right for real. Right. And to be honest with you, you know, maybe maybe Bethany was like, you know, when she started on the show, she was with that guy, Jason, like and that guy was a mute. I, I, I don't know if he even said two words during that first season. Like the guy did not talk. He didn't talk for the entire season, Jason, the first one. And then the second one that she was with, I can't remember if she had like boyfriends in between, but the second one, Jason Hoppy, um, the second Jason that she ended up marrying and having a kid with, I, that guy, I don't know why, he reminds me of Perry Farrell. <laughs> you know? <laughs> He does. Well, Perry Farrell with his original face, not his face right now, but his face back in the days, um, the lead singer of Jane's Addiction. He reminds me of him a lot, actually. But anyways, that guy, right? So she was with him. It's like, I don't know, she was with a mute and she's the one doing all of the talking. And then when she was with the other Jason, Jason, he talked too, but on the show, not as much as Bethany, but at least they were able to have conversations. And... Um, Bethany and Jill's 
friendship to me it was great you know it was great like I, I i miss seeing them on the bed talking because to me that's when it's the show seemed more genuine you know like people had it felt like they had a real special intimate and intimate not in that way like intimate like an intimate friendship right like just very close friends and jill just seemed like you know the older sister, and, and Jill has sisters as well. So she has sisters, she's close to, to her sisters, and you could tell that she has that ability or she that desire to, to wanna be a sister to somebody else, especially like a person like Bethany. And it was great to hear Jill say on that podcast that she went to bat to have Bethany join the show. Like she went to talk to executives and all of that stuff because she was just like, you know what? She's not a housewife. She doesn't have a husband, but she would be great for the show. Bobby told her that and she went to bat for her. And I, I kind of understood, you know, I understood when, when Jill was saying, listen, I know it came across as if I was jealous of you, but I wasn't jealous of you. And I didn't care about the money. What I wanted was to be a part or be included in every single things that you were doing and when i felt like you were kind of like slipping away from me then i had some sort of feelings about it right and i'm not saying that that's absolutely normal to feel that way it's not like you know it's not like bethany is her um husband or like you know what i mean it's like a friend right but sometimes girls they feel that way you know they they can feel like that and i could i, I could like probably in jill's mind uh, and she didn't exactly say it like that but my interpretation of it is kind of just like you know we're so close and i love you so much and i'm happy for you but I want to be included in everything that you do, even when you don't need me. And it's like sometimes, you know, I know a few people that are like that. And it's not to say that they're bad people, but Bethany used the correct word when it came to Jill. Like she is smuttering, right? And it could it, it could feel a little, you know, maybe Bethany was suffocating from her friendship with Jill at that point, right? It felt just like too much. It's like, Jill... I don't belong to you. Like I can do things on my own. Like we are not like Siamese cats. Like we are not attached by the hips. You know, I, I want to be your friend, but I want to do things on my own as well. And maybe Jill had a little bit of a problem with that at some point in time. But um, if you guys recall when they were both on the show and then they had that falling out, Bethany was really trying to make amends with Jill. Jill wasn't having it at that point. And I remember a long time ago, she was saying, hey, this is going to be like, this is going to make great TV, right? Like, I'm not really mad, but let's discuss it on the show. And then we'll make up on the show. And this is my vision for how this is going to play out, right? And uh, when it didn't happen like that, like Bethany was trying, 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 trying. And then at some point in time, she had enough because she said, you know what, Bethany, we are done. You know what? I, I wrote a whole bunch of things that you did to me. I didn't bring it with me because she got ambushed at, um, I think it was Ramona's or Luann. Anyways, so, you know, after trying so many times, Bethany was just like, you know what? I'm done, right? Now I'm done. And then all of these beautiful things or important things or milestone things started happening in Bethany's life. And then that's at that point that Jill realized that she had gone too far because now Bethany was pregnant after, you know, she had been trying for all of these years to be pregnant. And she said, 
all I always wanted was to have one kid, not two, three, four, five, just one kid. That's the only wish that I have is to have one kid, right? So those are the things that her and Jill used to talk to about on the bed. So when Jill found out that, oh my God, my best friend now is pregnant and now we're feuding, how am I going to go up to her and congratulate her? Like that's when she realized that, you know, things had gone too far. And then Bethany with the relationship, the tumultuous uh, relationship that she had with her father. And, you know, her dad was sick and then he died. It's like, you know, sometimes your ego in friendship, it can ruin everything. And that's basically what happened between Bethany and Jill. Because Jill wouldn't forgive her at that point in time. And then things started coming around for Bethany. And then Jill thought that she could just go back and make it nice. And Bethany was done right at that point because life real life you know it's not a reality uh tv show people have real feelings right so jill couldn't like manipulate that part of the situation so you know it, it was sad to see their friendship go like that like down the drain back then but um one thing that i found that was very surprising was the fact that you know the big revelation when it comes to uh, Bobby's funeral and how that took place and how production and Andy and all of that had like a big you know their their hands are quite dirty when it comes to all of this and I'm sure Andy has responded or responded already and said what his version of events was but you know I don't believe what Andy says all the time either you know he is good for tv i think he's great for the reunion although sometimes it seems like he doesn't always watch the show but you know he's good at what he does but what what people also need to remember andy is a businessman and i don't think like i don't think he has the girls like i think somewhat he does like he has the girls not necessarily best interest i think he cares about them to a certain extent right uh, i think where people get confused sometimes is the how much he actually does care about them and i'm not sure it's like as deep as people think right i think he's ready to do certain things that are questionable at times when it comes to the housewives if that means more money for bravo that's my opinion but anyways i digress so it was really really sad to hear that basically uh they played both sides and jill had no idea that bethany was really coming during the funeral and film and all of that but um just for the kick of it i went back to watch that episode and um you know jill said that the ladies uh the other cast members were a little bit upset that Bethany was planning on showing up to the funeral and having the cameras there and they felt some sort of way about it because they're just like they don't have a relationship they haven't talked to each other in years and then now Bethany is going to be the one who's going to film and you know they're going to make it all about her as if like she really cares about Jill meanwhile she never talked to her for I don't know how long you know so they had discussion when it came to that and uh, I'm sure there's more um, than what they discuss on that podcast. Uh, however, I could see I could see why some of the ladies uh, could feel that way when it comes to Bethany. Uh, I think at the reunion when they discussed it, I think they had a valid point. I think Ramona had a valid point because even me as a viewer back then, I kind of felt like that, like that too. I was just like, well, like first of all, I felt a certain way 
just seeing the funeral like not you know just seeing cameras at a funeral like for that like i'm just like you know what guys it's not necessary you know what i mean like we didn't see the actual funeral but just the fact that the cameras were there and bethany in her beautiful dress and then jill it's like the you know that's maybe just not a moment for reality tv it's just like live that in private it's like someone's passed away we don't need this right we don't need to make it about bethany and jill and Although Bethany said something really nice to Jill um, outside on the sidewalk, it you know it was still kind of like made it, it, it production made it seem like it was like about this big reunion um, or mending of friendship or closure between two old friends, right? At Bobby's funeral, so to me it's not necessary, really, right? So, anyways, so. When they talked about that, you could see there are some things that Bethany was just like, wow, I had no idea. And Jill as well. She was just like, no, I'm telling you, they don't have a release. The, I didn't sign a release to have my voice on there. And you know what? That guy or that person told me that, no, there's no release. But at the end of the day, uh, Bravo was counting on you not suing them. So... You know, that's what I'm saying. They, maybe sometimes they do things like it's not always kosher, right? So that was a little sad. But um, Jill seems to be in a better frame of mind these days. Uh, she doesn't seem like she needs housewives to validate who she is anymore. Uh, she seems happy to me. So that was really good to see. And um, I don't know. I don't know where things will go from there when it comes to Bethany and Jill but to be honest guys I was hopeful back then like after the whole thing with like Bobby passing away and then Bethany um going to Jill Zarin's house to visit like with her daughter Bryn right and I remember this very specifically because she was dressing up uh she was um dressing Bryn up and she was just like we're gonna go and visit an old friend of mine and her name is Jill so apparently that scene Jill had not told a soul right she had not told anyone that Bethany was coming um to film with her but Bethany was actually filming that day and it was portrait on the show so that was another thing that Jill was not aware of and I was just like wow wow you know that world of reality tv could be a little sneaky sometimes definitely definitely but upset about me but but you took publicly to, to talk about what's interesting in Hollywood is that people no I emailed you after you did the view and it really hurt my feelings I have to tell you because I, I thought we were friends and after I watched it I thought why would she go on the view and badmouth me and I don't think I badmouth you I think it was Joy or Sherry Shepard someone said to it was Sherry you're doing your own reality show so you're like Omarosa and I said, said no my career is real and my book and my brand and her no she just went on there to be uh, a no, villain and, no I like that and I was like why would you say that? Well, first of all, we knew each other through The Apprentice. I mean, we weren't—we never had dinner. We weren't no, friends. I, I, but I'm going to tell you something. <laughs> I'm going to tell you something. I actually thought we were friends. It's interesting that you would say you didn't think we were friends. When you called me when you were on, you, you contacted me through somebody when you went on Martha Stewart's Apprentice, um, you kind of reaching out. And so maybe you were just trying to use me to get information. You could call that what you want. But to go on, and Sherry's my friend, to go on The View and 
bad mouth to me to my friend is bad form, Bethany. Well, okay, if you're it's going to talk about something that happened, let's get the facts let's straight. Read, let's read the comment. I said happen? that you were known for being infamous. That I, and then I spoke about myself. I said that I had two New York Times bestsellers. You never I said, I have a real career. You never said that. I said that you didn't. I, said, I, read, the, I read the quote. You said, I have a real career. Can we just get the quote? Someone must and have I have it. a brand, and I have I will a give you $10,000 if I said I have a real career. 10000 Yes. And you know what? If I said I have a real career, I, I will give you $10,000. This has turned out to be a it's great gonna be day. Great. If I said, I, if I said, <laughs> I think, no, actually, I have a brand. I have two New York Times sellers. Well, I have a cocktail. Omarosa, our memory, use it for being our memory must be going. Let's have some. I said, use it for being infamous. Um, Paul, he has my, my phone. Okay. He can pull it up. This is great. I'll use that money to for your help church. the folks, yes, on Skid that Row. Be excellent. Because I know I'm about to get $10,000. I think she's an interesting example because she used time on a rally. I did say I have a real career. I owe $10,000. I said, I have a real career. I have a brand. I have a very popular cocktail. I have two New York Times bestsellers. I have my own show. Okay. So I owe you $10,000 and I meant every word of this. Wow. I think she's an interesting example. Okay. So let's talk about it. Let's talk about it because at the time you had your show on. Well, let's just go through it. I I think she's an interesting example uh, with Donald Trump. And what's so funny is Donald and I worked so hard. I'm the only one from the entire Apprentice franchise to get a spinoff show with Donald. It's a remarkable feat to do. And so when you said, oh, I have my show, as if Donald and I weren't over there working our behinds off to create good programming, I remember him calling me going, did you see Bethany? I'm like, yeah, did you see Bethany? Because we worked so hard on that show. And my book and my career, and I teach branding and marketing at Howard University. I'm a branding so professor. What is your so when brand? When you say brand, let me tell you, when you say I have a brand as if I haven't worked for the last decade to continue to entertain people, to provide good programming for folks and to be a good strong role model i'm unapologetic about being a strong african-american woman who does not thank you who does not apologize surgery bariatric surgery there are several different kinds i have read lisa marie's autopsy report she had the most advanced kind basically you disconnect part of the intestines so you just don't absorb as much food and that's how you get calorie restriction so she had bypassed part of her intestines they made a new connection between her stomach and her intestines and the most common complication when you go inside the abdomen and do that kind of surgery is that scar tissue forms and that's called adhesions and occasionally at any time in the future when you've had this type of bypass bariatric surgery, those adhesions can block parts of the small intestine and cause what's called a small bowel obstruction. And that can lead to a process if it goes on long enough called strangulation where the intestines actually died. And that's what happened to her. And what's really scary is 915 centimeters, which means 30 feet of her small intestines had died before she made it to the hospital. I have another theory that I want to share with you. Most patients who have had previous bariatric bypass surgery, they lose a lot of weight but not enough, okay? So a lot of them, particularly in Hollywood, are on the Ozempic-type drugs. Recent studies have shown that if you're on Ozempic-type drugs, they 
can slow down your intestines. They can predispose you to intestinal obstruction. And there may be the perfect, unfortunate storm of previous surgery with intestinal scarring, opioid use, so you can't tell that you're that sick, and further slowing of the intestines by the use of these miracle weight loss drugs that virtually everyone is on in Hollywood. Now, I don't know that she was on that, but we will know when the further toxicology comes back. If you're going to go on the Ozempic type drugs and you get intestinal pain, you get stomach bloating, you get pain, you drink alcohol with this, you're predisposed to intestinal obstruction and pancreatitis. And right now, right now, I have three of my patients who are on Ozempic, okay, that haven't even had surgery yet, in the hospital, two in the ICU with intestinal and pancreatitis just from the use of Ozempic. Nobody's talking about this right now, but we need to talk about it. Okay, guys, that was quite scary. Um, I know a lot of people have been talking about this clip from Terry Debro, who is a doctor. So he is the subject matter expert when it comes to all of this. I'm not going to say anything when it comes to his professional opinion on the drug. Uh, and you know, guys, I'm not one to tell you what to do with your body. You do what you want. Uh, you do as you see fit. However, if you have been a fan of this podcast, you know we've talked about this, even Ozempic, ex not extensively, but a, a little bit on this podcast. And what I've always said to my listeners is do what's best for you, but always try to be informed no matter what it is, right? So um, I think we can all agree that after these past three years that have been very um, difficult for some people, like nobody has the right to tell you what you should do with your own body. Uh, you have the right to be informed. Obviously this video, like what I'm talking about right now is not gonna, this clip is not gonna be on YouTube, right? Um, but um, I will share some of my findings with you in the Patreon and uh, you, you just can't talk about these kind of things on YouTube. So what I'm gonna say is, guys, do your homework. Um, there's no judgment here. If you are using the drug, um, you know, for weight loss um, reasons, then no problem, right? So I, I just wanted to say, like, make sure that you um, read upon the side effects and uh, stay informed at all costs, right? So one thing that I did find, and that's one thing that I'm going to say, guys, if you're a fan of the pond podcast and if you like my commentary, you like what I'm saying, you don't have to agree with what I'm saying. This is democracy, right? So hopefully you enjoy the content that um, that you get when you come and listen to Housewives Relatable or Relatable Stella. But um, I just wanted to talk about one thing that I have seen. Uh, it came out in a publication. And please, people, don't let people tell you anything about where it's from, like, you know, if it's a reliable source or not. Like, I'm not going to tell you guys what to do. I'm just telling you there's some information that is out there. Sometimes the information is in the mainstream media. Sometimes it's not. And at the end of the day, I believe, I'm a firm believer. I'm speaking for myself. I believe that you should get your information from all sources. Um, I, you don't have to believe the information that you get from all sources. But for my part, it has served me right to 
get some information from mainstream and get some information from independent and also just get information from anecdotals. you know what I mean? And then even like people that I have absolutely no relationship with, sometimes like in the streets, they just spark conversation with you and they tell you what their experience has been with something. And I just listen and take that into consideration. So I don't believe in shutting people down. I don't believe in Oh, just, you know, this news network is the end all be all and that one means nothing. I don't believe in that. But that's me. You have the right to believe in that if that serves you. Um, but the only thing that I will say is do your homework, remain open. And I've read something a long time ago and I said I saved it and I will share this information in the Patreon, right? Because it's an article. So, um, Yes, uh, the whole Ozempic thing, and it's not just Ozempic, it's all of those semaglutide drugs. So it said here, I'm just gonna read a little extract, uh, and it's not meant to be scandalous, inflammatory, or anything like that. I'm just saying like sometimes the information is not at your fingertips, right? Um, but it's something to be considered. And if this is something that you knew, maybe you would just be like, okay, you know, just keep it in the folder, like in my brain. And, you know, I can make my own decisions for myself. But if I knew of this, like maybe I would have done something completely different or maybe not. Maybe I would have done the exact same thing, right? But um, I think it's always better to have all of the information before you make a decision or before you continue to make a decision. So. Um, what I have here is an extract from uh, a publication that was online and this is what it says. I'm just trying to find, um, okay, it's right here. All right. So weight loss drugs have a history of links to suicidal ideation. Novo Nordisk, which is a pharmaceutical company, said in a statement that it takes all reports about adverse events from the use of its medications very seriously that patient safety is a top priority. So then it says, commenting on the EMA investigation, a U.S. Food and Drug Administration, a spokesperson uh, told Bloomberg News, if newly identified safety signals are identified, the FDA will determine what actions are appropriate after a thorough review of the body of evidence. The spokesperson said that clinical trials for Wegovy um, Wegovy <laughs> did not support an increased did not support an increased risk of suicidal ideation, but clinical trials for other weight loss drugs had. And then it says, according to the FDA public dashboard, there have been at least 60 reports of suicidal ideation since 2018 from patients on semaglutide or their healthcare providers, writers reported. Um, it also reported that in the clinical trials for Ozempic and another one called uh, Saxenda, Novo Nordisk excluded people with a history of psychiatric disorder or recent suicidal behavior. CNN reported that in the clinical trials for Saxenda for adults, nine people out of 3,300 taking the drug reported suicidal ideation compared with two of more than 1,900 who received a placebo. And then it goes on and talks about uh, one adult on Saxenda attempted suicide, the prescribing information says, in a pediatric uh, clinical trials, 
one of 125 taking Sexenda died by suicide. So the prescribing information says there was insufficient information to establish a causal relationship to the medication. So anyways, it goes on and on and on, but it says that in fact, the issue of suicidal thoughts linked to weight loss drugs has been a major hurdle to the drug industry ability the, the drug industry's ability to develop lucrative weight loss drugs so do your homework do your research stay informed make the best decision that it is for you speak to your doctor get one opinion two opinions three opinions you know and then that's fine there's no judgment here i'm just saying like i'm not trying to talk about like i know everybody in housewives is talking about yeah i'm on it i'm not on it i'm not judging anyone everyone is entitled to do what's best for them but one thing that i do agree with and i did share this with you guys um when jackie was at the reunion and she talked about she didn't really talk about the side effects as much but she did talk about um, you know, women having to, or not women, like just people that are using Ozempic, Wigovi, or Felix, like, you know, they have different names, right? Or uh, Manjaro. She was saying, like, at some point in time, you know, those people, they will have to come off of it. And then she kind of worries about what's going to happen um, after, right? Because studies have shown that you gain the weight back pretty quickly if not more so it's just something to think about and i just thought i would share with i would share that with you guys okay guys now about the real housewives of atlanta you guys probably know already uh it's all over social media it's all over the news nini's son has had some problems with the law again and he was arrested with fentanyl on him and um I guess at first when the authorities were asking him uh, for his name, he gave his baby baby brother's name instead of his, and it took a few days for them to realize that they were not dealing with Brandt, but really with Bryson. So apparently that's a thing. From what I could gather online, a lot of people have uh, commented and said that this was done to them by a family member or someone that was close to them. So I didn't know that that was a thing that people that were close to you actually try to impersonate you or <laughs> provide your name to the law, um, to police officers just to you know get away for like i don't even understand why you you would do such a thing because obviously you will get caught eventually and then that's another charge that's what's ending up uh that's what ended up happening to bryson and you know there's a lot of people that have like different feelings when it comes to the whole thing and they're saying oh you know why isn't nini um helping him out financially because B Bryson basically said to the judge that he does not have the means to pay for his own attorney. Therefore, um, the court is going to appoint a an attorney um, to him, right? So uh, people are like, well, Nini should step up and she should help her son and she should pay for his bail and she should pay for his lawyer. And, you know, at the end of the day, you don't know uh, Nini's situation. And, you know, she is his mother, but maybe she doesn't want to be his enabler. And um, it's not his first time at the rodeo. He has had some problems with the law before. If you guys recall um, on the show, he went to visit a friend of his and then um he, he went to visit a friend in prison and had uh, ounces of cannabis in his pocket and then he ended up being arrested himself so 
you know, there's this very famous scene of Nini talking to her son and just telling him who does that, right? And um, if you guys recall, Nini was ready to leave him uh, there, you know, at the jail and not pay for his bail. And it, it wasn't until she had a conversation with Peter. Peter told her, you know what, he's made a mistake. I've been there before. And he's probably just like mixed up there with a whole bunch of guys. Some of them are like real lifetime criminals. Some of them are just like molesters and that kind of stuff, right? He's probably like really down in the dumps. And, um, you know, his mental, like his mental health is probably very low. So you need to get him out of there. And Nini didn't want to. She didn't want to pay for his bail, but eventually she did and she got him out, right? So he was much younger then, granted, but we don't know. You know, Nini hasn't been on the show for a while. We don't know what Bryson has been doing all of these years, you know, and maybe she's sick and tired of it because at the end of the day, he's an adult and, um, you know, he is old enough to make his own decisions. And at the end of the day, I'm sure she doesn't want her son to be in jail, but she also wants her son to act like a responsible adult out there. And there's a lot of women that are out there that are, you know, like one of them was super vocal a few years back um, because Bryson also has a lot of kids uh, out there with different women. Uh, the only one that we have seen really on the show was um, Brie Asia. And some women were feeling some sort of ways and saying that, you know, Nini is only uh, acknowledging that grandbaby and not the other ones and that she should be financially pitching in and all of that. So I think it's unfair. It's unfair to expect Nini just because of her celebrity status to be responsible financially for all of these babies that are out there. Right. Because at the end of the day, that's probably not what she wants. She probably doesn't want Bryson to um, spread himself so thin like that and just not be a responsible father. Right. So I don't think it's fair for people to expect for Nini to just uh, pay for the bill uh, when it comes to Bryson. So, you know. People, I, I don't agree with the judgment out there that, oh, she should be doing this just because she has the money, right? I don't agree with that. I think that Nini is basically showing Bryson a little bit of tough love. And again, she wants to be his mother, not his enabler. I've seen online, um, something has resurfaced with um when it comes to vanessa riser so basically i've seen all over twitter um from all about uh the truth or all about the tr the th trh i can't remember but um basically there's like this tweet circulating um jennifer hayden has come out of the woodworks to, to state her opinion when it comes to um vanessa riser louise x um giving her opinion or providing her opinion on uh, Teresa and the girls, right? So I'm sure you guys have seen this on social media already, but I'm just going to read what I found online. So it says, uh, well, this is what Jennifer says. She says, what is the goal here? Did some people not get the memo yet? FYI, Louis is married to Teresa. That old chapter is and has been closed, done, over, by Stop holding on. And maybe we shouldn't, focus so, we shouldn't focus so much on narcissism, but rather the obsessive compulsive disorder where some people um, just can't let, let it go. So hashtag new chapter, hashtag enough already, hashtag let it go. And um, someone responded, 
like under her comment, like um, talking about Teresa's guarantees views. Unfortunately, a, a lot of horrible people have figured this out. Might be time for a cease and desist order. Too many lunatics comfortable with slandering Louis and Trey. So, um, on the you know on under the tweet, um, all about the Real Housewives. Like basically, they say. Um, just press on this video, like press on this video and you'll see what Vanessa did, right? But when I look at the video in itself, I don't think that that's a new video from what I could see. Like um, that was like from a few years ago. So that's not like a new interview that she gave. It has been out there. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but that's the one that I saw. And I remember seeing this online uh, a few years ago with this famous YouTuber that is sometimes controversial, right? So um so I'm not sure if they're talking about like some sort of new interview that she gave, but the one in the picture and the one in the video was from an old interview, like at least a few years ago. Like I think it was in 2020 or 2021. So anyways, I would have to say that, um, okay, so this is what Vanessa said, um, just to provide you guys with some context. Um, so she basically said that Teresa has you know, daddy. Okay. What does it say? It says, Vanessa claims Teresa's issues most likely have a daddy component, which makes her unable to trust women and instead follow a life structured around pat patriarchy. Uh, and then she talks about, you know, her daughter most likely, um, growing up with like having like body image issues due to growing up with cameras around. So that's what she says. So, I don't really have a problem with Vanessa saying that about Teresa or about her daughters, as long as she is sharing her personal opinion and not her professional opinion. Because, you know, at the end of the day, even though she was with Louis and she was his fiance and she's not with him anymore, um, it doesn't mean that she cannot be a fan of the show. Most likely she has been a fan of the show prior to even meeting Louis. So, um, I don't have a problem with Vanessa giving her personal opinion when it comes to Teresa. At the end of the day, that's what I'm doing. That's what a lot of people out there are doing, right? Um, but as long as it's her personal opinion and not her professional one, because I think that that would be irresponsible to try to diagnose uh, Teresa or her daughter based off of the show, right? Um, it's reality TV, not reality. It's constructed reality. Um, there's lots of edit. It's uncut. It's not uncut. It's not unedited. So I think it would be irresponsible for her to try to uh, diagnose a person on TV that she is not currently following, you know, that, that is not under her care. That would be something irresponsible. And I think those girls from um, All About the 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 truth they were saying on their podcast um you know they, they were trying to come up with ways to try to make her lose her professional license they actually said that those are her words not mine um but um yes so obviously Vanessa has been given a lot of interviews um since 2020 and at the end of the day I think that if there were grounds to have her license uh taken away from her they would have done that already so what what what, what that tells me is that she is still be, being careful in the way that she states her opinion and she tries to make 
um, you know, like the, the difference, like she, she, she's being careful and responsible in the way that she delivers that message, because obviously she wants to speak for herself and not as a clinician. Like that's how I receive it. Otherwise she could get in serious trouble. Right. So, um, anyways, another question that I had when it comes to Vanessa, because, um, you guys know she was supposed to be on Dana Wilkie's and uh, after the whole thing that happened with the Bodidol and the restrain restraining order, she backed out of the interview. And then even recently, Dana said that Vanessa was supposed to come um, on her podcast and talk and shed some light as to what happened with the whole um, private investigation and, you know, the employee that was basically a fake patient and hired by Bodil's firm to come and just get some information on Vanessa. So anyways, she was supposed to come and talk to Dana about this, but Dana has not been able to confirm a date with Vanessa because obviously she, she was feeling kind of like uneasy and she was saying that her lawyers um, were not allowing her to discuss and have these interviews. She was not at liberty to speak on the matter. Right? So, I was a little bit surprised to see Vanessa on another podcast with Misunderstood um, Rachel Uchitel. Um, I actually, I, I like Rachel. I like her style of interviewing and I think she's very smart and very articulate, beautiful and all of that. But uh, it was a great interview, but I was surprised to see Vanessa there because that interview got released on July 5th, like a couple year, a couple weeks ago. So, and Vanessa does talk about, you know, like she alleges about what happened with the whole Bodhidol thing. And she talks about like the narcissistic abuse that she was under. She never references Louis. She's not allowed to say his name. Um, you have a gag or like, you know, she can't speak and tell, like say his name. Um, we know who she's talking about, but she can't say his name, right? So it's about an hour long and the uh, interview was released, like it's fully available on YouTube. And you can see that she gave that interview um, with Rachel Uchidel, but um, she has not gone on Dana and talked to Dana about, you know, the situation. And I was under the impression that maybe it would have happened first. So I'm not sure if she is now at liberty of talk of speaking on the matter, but just something that I was wondering. On another note, um, Carlos King, <laughs> he has, uh, he's had, um, Sarah Gailey, uh, Sarah Galley on his podcast recently, uh, from, um, Andy's girls. And I have to say, guys, um, I know some of you do not like Carlos, uh, because he tends to be biased when it comes to the whole Melissa and Teresa situation. And I have to agree. Sometimes it feels that way. Not sometimes all, all the time. It feels like he has like something against Melissa and he is very biased. Uh, however, I do still enjoy, I find him entertaining regardless. Right. So, and he doesn't really take himself too seriously. So no hard feelings here. Although once in a while, once in a while, I will state my, my opinion when it comes to Carlos. But uh, I have to say it's a very good interview and it was good. It was offering like some sort of balance. Like I'm, I'm glad that he's inviting people that can see the other side. And, um, you know, I'm sure Carlos is not going to change his mind when it comes to his favorite, Teresa. But at least 
Sarah provided him like with some very good arguments and points and all of that. And Carlos was like, yeah, you know what? I haven't watched. I haven't watched in a few years. I didn't know this. I didn't know that. I didn't know that. So he seemed quite open. And a lot of this, a lot of the things that she was sharing with him, like, he was like, you know how he is, like he's very animated and like loud and like, you know, fun and he laughs a lot. But like a lot of the times he was quiet. So I don't know. I was just listening to the interview. I didn't see the video, but it's it, to me, it seems like he was absorbing the information when it comes to uh, Teresa and Melissa and all of that. Right. So a lot of people are talking about. You know, recently Teresa came out and said, oh, you know, I, I'm just going to ignore Melissa um, for the next season, season 14. I don't have to talk to her and all of that. And we'll see how things transpire. I don't have to engage with her. Right. Well, basically, there's nothing new. If you look at this past season, Teresa hasn't really talked to Melissa all that much, you know, and when she did, it was just to argue with her. But, you know, even at Jen Fessler's house, um, there was one seat next to Melissa. She chose to sit on the other side in the sun. Um, you know, when Melissa comes in, she basically just says hi to her and bye to her. And that's all like she doesn't engage. She, and you know what, guys, I've been rewatching a lot of the older seasons, as you know, and it's like just little things like petty things like that. But, you know, I'm a woman, so we, we tend to <laughs> we tend to notice things like that. But um, every time that Melissa enters a scene. And, and Melissa, Melissa, like no matter how you feel about her, like she's a beautiful girl. And so is Teresa. I think that Teresa is beautiful as well. Right. So um, whenever Melissa enters the scene, Teresa never says any like she never gives her a compliment. I was looking like at, like season after seasons and Melissa comes in and Teresa says, oh, hi, 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 honey, like that or hi, Melissa. But she never says to her, you look pretty. You look beautiful. Oh, wow. Like, I like the way you're dressed. Like never. She's never said that to Melissa. Not one time, but there has been countless times where Melissa sees her sister-in-law and she says, hi, tree. Hi, Teresa. Oh, you look gorgeous. You look beautiful. You look summery. You look this, like you look that she's always giving her compliments, but Teresa never returns the favor ever. Right. And I was also watching how she, you know, greets other women and with other women, sometimes she does it. Like she'll tell Jennifer, you look so beautiful. Or she'll tell Dolores, you look gorgeous. You look beautiful today. Or even Margaret, she'll say, oh, she'll look at her up and down and say, you look beautiful. But she never does it for Melissa. Another thing that um, I've realized as well, and I was discussing this, like because sometimes things just pop up in my head. And I was just like, you know, when I was listening to the podcast with all about the truth, they were saying like, Oh, we don't like how Melissa, like one of the girls, she was saying, I don't like Melissa because Melissa, I don't like the way she treats her family. That's what she said. So then it's like, okay. And at some point in time, she admits that she tried to kind of like get to know Melissa. And she only did that because Melissa and Teresa were good. Like that must've been around after season six. Right. So she said that her and Teresa uh, Melissa and Teresa got closer. So therefore, um, one of the hosts of that podcast decided that she would give Melissa a chance, which I find weak, by the way, because it's like, don't you have your own mind? Do you need like Teresa's approval for everything? And it's like, why are you so inserted in the drama? Like I said, guys, I think that that's very stupid. 
I have to use that word. It, like to me, I didn't know that girl was part of the show. Like the whole, <laughs> I understand having like your favorite characters on the show and people that you're writing for like more than others, but it seems very personal. Like, and to me, it's like, if you don't know Melissa like that, like if you don't really have a personal relationship with her, you never been to school with her, like, you know, you didn't share the same boyfriend or you don't have like a friend that she did something to, like, to me, it feels so personal to have so much animosity against Melissa. It's like, to be honest with you guys, uh, if I were to see Teresa in the streets, right, I would be excited to see her. You understand? Like, I wouldn't be like, oh, I'm not talking to Teresa because, you know, of every, like, d listen, like, am, am I involved? <laughs> I'm not involved. Like, maybe Teresa wouldn't be as excited to see me because of what I'm saying about her. But on my part, I have absolutely no animosity towards the girl. I think she's fantastic for the show. I, I love her on the show. I don't want her to lose her job. And her problems with Melissa are just that. Her problems with Melissa, they're not mine. Okay, I'm not taking Teresa's laundry or Melissa's laundry. I'm just saying that. So anyways, alongside Bar, just to say this. So basically, <laughs> the host said that she does not like the way that Melissa treats family. But then I was like thinking, and I was just like, Melissa, we have seen Melissa on the show, take the Judaises girls and go to Sweet and Sassy or go to a spa or have their nails done. We've seen Melissa take the girls and babysit them. Like if you guys remember when Teresa was doing her... I think it was her Fabellini party. She didn't, she said on the show, she didn't have a babysitter. So because she didn't have a babysitter, she, um, she called, she called Melissa and, um, she, um, she called Melissa and Melissa offered to actually, I don't know if she called Melissa, Melissa offered to babysit for her. Right. So, so then Melissa, um, took the girls and they went, I think they went to Sweet and Sassy at the time and they got match matching bracelets for the girls and for Teresa and for Melissa. So we have seen um, Melissa, you know, take her auntie, like her auntie role very seriously when it comes to the girls, to the Judaized girls. Maybe not as much as Teresa would have liked, but I'm saying like there, there is some f footage that exists of Melissa doing just that. And even like um, at Katy and Richie, when they had the pool party, you see Melissa um, take the girls. Like she takes Adriana in her arms. Like she seems very sweet to babies and little children. You know, she is, um, she's not just about her kids. She's also about Teresa's kids. Like she wants to hug them and love them and do all of that. So I'm not sure what the host is saying when she says she doesn't like the way to, uh, Melissa treats family. But this is what I'm going to say. I was trying to think of a time where I saw Teresa either babysit Melissa's children. That has never happened on the show. I'm not saying that it has never happened at all throughout the history of their relationship. But what I can honestly say is that in 10 seasons of Melissa and Teresa together on the same show, we have never seen Teresa call Melissa and Joe and say, I want to watch your kids or I want your kids to come to the house and play with my girls. Like, you know, just on, on her own. Like she has never done that, right? She has never taken Antonia. Melissa only has one daughter and that daughter 
has brothers, right? So of course she would be happy to spend some time at Teresa's house with the girls. Like Teresa has four girls and Melania's a girl, like it's her cousin, but it's like, you know, they're very, very close. Like they have a great relationship. So I'm sure Antonia would have liked that, but you know, you have to be able to read between the lines because I think it is easy to just say that Melissa, oh, she's fake. She doesn't do this. She doesn't do that. But there is existing footage of her trying to have a relationship with the girls. Another thing was I was rewatching Teresa Checks In. And, <laughs> you know, um, there's an episode where Joe Judice goes to the Catskills. Um, you know, his dad had um, a cottage there in upstate New York. And then basically he goes to the Catskills on his own. And then Joe and Melissa and the kids and, and the kids join him later on. So that's the episode where uh, Joe Gorga says to Melania, Melania, bring me the chainsaw. And then Melania tries to bring the chainsaw. And Melissa's like, are you nuts? Like a chainsaw? You want a chainsaw? Come and get it yourself. Don't ask a kid to do that, right? So she's very protective of the children. And she is being responsible because, you know, God forbid something was to happen to Melania with the chainsaw while Melissa was there. Like she would never hear the end of it from Teresa. Like, let's be honest, right? So, <laughs> so. One thing that happens during that episode, Teresa calls from prison and then uh, she's speaking to Joe and then her husband. And then Joe says to Teresa, oh, your brother is here. He's with me in upstate New York. And then Teresa's like, oh, hi, hi, honey. How are you? Like talking to her brother, right? On speakerphone. And then Melissa was there too. And Melissa was like cutting up some onions, like in the kitchen, like trying to prepare supper, like to help Juju Dice prepare supper. And then Melissa says, um, hi, tree, you know, and then silence like it was really like i didn't really catch that the first time or maybe i did but it was a long time ago but now that i'm re-watching the episode i'm telling you guys you need to try to find that episode because she says hi tree tree does not respond and she doesn't say hi melissa hi honey hi anything it's like nothing on the phone and then she says what like what melissa's there too that's what she says to joe and it's like what do you think like she's gonna come with her husband like her husband's not just gonna be coming alone like upstate new york and then she's like are the kids there too like are they all there and then just like yeah everyone's there like the family the entire family the cousins are playing together outside right but she never acknowledges Melissa really on that phone call. Like she, she doesn't say, how are you? Anything. And we see that um, th it's only three episodes, right? That ter Teresa checks in series. And even um, I think Melissa said she hadn't she hadn't speak to Teresa in like six months. Right. Because you guys have to remember when Teresa went to prison, she was not on good terms with Melissa and Joe, which is kind of weird because they wrapped up they wrapped up season six and they seem to be all good, right? Teresa and Melissa were holding hands on the couch. Um, Melissa was wearing white, the season with the twins, right? So to me, it seems like they were fine, but apparently something happened. And then even Joe says, he says, Teresa went away and she called him and she basically cussed him out. And then he hadn't speak to, spoken to her in like six months. So when she calls um, 
the house, Melissa and Jill are there with the parents and Melissa starts kind of like crying because she says, oh my gosh, I haven't heard her voice in six months. It's kind of a, it's a little emotional, right? And some people might say, oh, well, look at her. She's faking it. And you don't know what it's like to have a person that is away. And it's like, no matter how you feel about that person, it might trigger some sort of emotions, right? Even if you're not, even if you don't have the best of the, uh, of relationship. And at the end of the day, I'm pretty sure that Melissa didn't want Teresa to go to jail because it's still a mother with four kids at home. And she, you know, you can't help but to feel sad to know that she is there, right? So Melissa was crying and she said, hi, Teresa. And it took forever for Teresa to even say, hi, Melissa, how are you? Like you could feel like the bitterness and coldness in Teresa's voice, the way she talked to her brother on that phone call and to her kids and Joe and her parents, it was completely different than the way she talked to Melissa. So anyways, I'm not sure what people are trying to say when they say that Melissa has never tried. Uh, I'm sure she has tried and we have footage of her trying on camera. And people also like to say that, oh, the producers like to give Melissa and Joe a good edit. It's like, you can get a good edits like here and there, but you know, 10 seasons of you just getting good edits all the time. It's like, come on guys. Like maybe there's really nothing. Maybe there's nothing negative to say about how they treat Teresa, you know, behind closed doors. And you, you can even see like, there's a footage like where little Antonia goes to, um, when was that? I think that was at the end of, was it season three or season four? Anyway, she goes to Teresa with Melissa for a play date and she says, um, I never, I never been, I never went to Zia Teresa for a play date. She says that to, to Melissa as she is getting out of the car. She says to her mom, why are we here? Like, oh, I'm excited. Like we're going to Zia Teresa. I've never been to her house for a play date. I'm like, oh, wow, that's pretty telling. You know, if your kids are saying I've never been to my my blood aunt's house for a play date, that should tell you everything that you need to know. But that will never be brought up by the other side, right? Only when it's Melissa. Okay, guys, one last thing before we wrap, wrap this up. I just wanted to ask you guys, if you have more information on... Uh, Louis business men of legacy uh, my understanding was it was supposed to be a podcast Teresa even said on her own podcast that her husband and stepson were starting a new company called men of legacy and that it it was to help fathers and sons have a better or good relationship and uh, was supposed to take place in their garage like they were renovating everything and it was looking all beautiful and super good so there's not a lot of information out there about men of legacy like if you check on louis social media there's about 537 people that are following um the the channel or you know the podcast i see quotes like there's about like 20 quotes or even like short clips of louis talking and saying like men are suffering men are in pain um he's not necessarily just talking about fathers and son but he is talking about men in general and men feeling like they have no purpose that you know the the they might think that they may get fulfilled by buying a watch a house and a car but then they are empty inside and all of that stuff 
stuff and to try to encourage men to talk about their feelings and all of that, right? So it's men, M-E-N of legacy. But other than that, I, I, I haven't been able to find it on uh, Apple Podcasts or Spotify or anything like that. So I don't know if it has, if it's active or if it has launched yet. But one thing that I did find, though, um, that was interesting, because obviously you, you research everything in YouTube as well. You're like, oh, let me see if it's on YouTube. So it's not. But there is another person that has um, a channel on YouTube called Men of Legacy, but it's Men, M-A-N. So one man of legacy. There's about 624 subscribers. And he has 668 videos. The channel started in 2019. And if you look at the description of the channel, it says men of legacy is dedicated to helping men who are struggling with relationships with the people they love in their life. It may be a wife, girlfriend, or a children. They help men who have lost themselves to find their calm masculine center. Again, being the type of man who leaves a great legacy. If you have been told, I love you, but I'm not in love with you, or I need space, reach out at the email below for a free consultation. And then there's like a website. This person has not posted in two, in two years, it seems like, but I wonder if they know each other. I don't know why. Like for some reason, the way this description and like I've seen things online from Louis before that he has kind of like this, you know, it sounds a little similar. So I'm just wondering if there's any correlation between men of legacy, M-A-N and men of legacy, M-E-N. I don't know. I would be curious to know. So let me know um, in the comments your thoughts. And uh, don't forget, guys, to follow me on Instagram at Relatable underscore Stella or on YouTube at Housewives Relatable. You can also follow me on Podbean or wherever else you like to listen to your podcast. And for other things that we cannot necessarily talk about, uh, I will post that in the Patreon. So as always, guys, don't forget, be a fan, not fanatical. Ciao.